What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy trade deadline day. I'm Will Brinson. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. This is the Wednesday-ish edition. If you listen to this podcast every day, you know we did a emergency podcast with Brady Quinn on Monday night slash Tuesday morning after Hugh Jackson got canned. And then with the trade deadline passing at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, we're firing it up today with two of our good friends, two experts, Jason Lockenforce, CBS Sports NFL Insider, and Dave Richard, Senior Fantasy Writer for CBSSports.com. Jason, craziest trade deadline you've ever seen? Yeah, I mean, especially because it, it, it stretched out for multiple weeks. You know, I mean, this has been going on. I mean, for a couple of weeks, we've seen trade action, actual trades. So when you factor in not just the five from today, but you know what's been brewing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited by it. I think it's good for the game. Um, some of these guys will get new starts. A lot of them are going to much better teams, and. Um, I think you know it keeps it keeps people interested, and I'm glad to see more general managers accepting the plight of where they are and trying to deal with it in real time rather than punting till the off season. And teams being willing to shed salary, which is a part of the sports, and teams being willing to take on salary. Uh, Dave, which trade? And I mean, it doesn't have to be from a fantasy perspective, but just which trade in general? excited you the most we saw golden tate go to philly and uh demarius thomas to the uh, houston texans i assume those are the two biggest deals right yeah i'm I'm gonna say it's the one between the broncos and the texans mm. because it it improved houston's passing game they desperately needed it after will fuller got hurt and it opens the door for an exciting rookie named Cortland sutton to step into a much bigger role in denver and uh i there there really isn't much of a loser in that trade jason fantasy Jason, is this, I mean, like, to me, this is a, a, a great, like, I thought it was a pretty great deal for Denver, too. They get a fourth-round pick back um, in exchange for Demarius Thomas. They swap seventh-round picks with the Texans. But more importantly, for a franchise that's going, no, going nowhere, at least this year, they get to dump salary off the books this season and next well, season, say, yeah, and they open up all of a sudden. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's salary dump. Um, and, and a player who was diminished returns and who, you know, they didn't want to pay that money to next year. And, and look, they, they could have probably got this for him in the off season back at the combine, but they, they were getting offers for, for Sanders and Thomas then. And they thought they'd put case Keenum, you know, in there and try to keep this thing going and see what they could do um, for one more year. But they're obviously a rebuilding team. And I, I think the Denver Broncos will, will come to greatly regret not really having a more massive turnover, not doing something not that they could have got anything close to the return of the Oakland Raiders for these smaller deals, but like, I mean, Chris Harris and Bradley Roby, they're going to be long gone by the time your football team even looks halfway decent again. You know, uh, that you're going to be on a different head coach. I mean, you're going to have a different quarterback. And, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is the guy that teams wanted. And I think they could have got more than the Golden Tate return for Emmanuel Sanders. In fact, I know they could have. But, okay, you want to keep him for another year, whatever. Like, okay, all right. I guess, but like, why? He's 30 and now, now would have been the time to deal him. And, and they refused to do that. Nobody really wanted Brandon Marshall or Shane Ray. They're just daring those guys to cut them and try to save more money that way and see if somebody picks them up. Um, and, and if I was running the Denver Broncos, honestly, right after that Khalil Mack trade and then seeing where my team is now, I would have tried to get two twos for Von Miller. I would have taken that three 
for Emmanuel Sanders, plus maybe a little something else. Give me that four for Demarius. Give me a two or a three for Chris Harris. And uh, you won't let, let's go. Come on, Gruden. The AFC West, bring it on. Battling for draft supremacy <laughs> the next couple of years. Seriously, though. Like, what are they, what are they going to win with Von Miller? They won't even have another 500 season with Von Miller in his prime. I mean, look, I, I don't, I, I get what you're saying. I do think it is interesting, though, that the Broncos are spinning this in like two different ways. One, they came out, they're like, we're going to honor Demarius Thomas when he returns, uh, to Denver with Houston next week. And of course, we'll be putting him in the ring of fame later. Uh, never mind that we were definitely 100% cutting him this coming offseason. Don't, don't think about that. Just remember, we're honoring this guy. And of course, we get to turn to the future. Cortland Sutton, everything is bright and wonderful here in Denver. It does, it seemed like they were able to get away with the trade without actually acknowledging that they're trading one of their top wide receivers because they stink. It's a salary dump. Right. Uh, all right, Dave, speaking of dumping salary, if you had a free agent fab, free agent auction budget of $100 remaining, you had, or let's say you have 85 bucks remaining because you already spent 15 uh, on Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier in the season, regrettably, but that's okay. You don't have to judge yourself for it. Uh, you got 85 bucks <laughs> left. <laughs> what percentage? Only of, 15 on Ryan Fitzpatrick? I, I, we, I spent 33 in another league. It's regrettable. What, oh, uh, yeah, oh yeah. What percentage of your fab are you spending on Cortland Sutton? And I'm assuming, of course, when I ask this question, that if you have a waiver claim, you put it in on Sutton. Yeah, Sutton is going to be the top waiver claim. And I would go 22% Ooh, on Sutton. So it's a pretty big chunk. Uh, and the reason for it is simple. He's stepping into a role that could mean as many as seven targets per game. He's averaged over 19 yards per catch so far this season. I think that average will come down as he runs fewer routes that are deep. That's going to be what's asked of him, and I think that makes a lot of sense. His catch rate sucked partially because he was running so many deep routes. He wasn't coming up with many great passes downfield, but it'll move up because now he'll run more 10, 12, 14-yard routes. He's catching passes from Case Keenum. It's not exactly the best situation in the world, but it could have been worse. Look at Denver last year and the year before that. So there's a lot to be excited about with Sutton. Um, he, he, what the Broncos don't lose by putting him in is they still have a big, rangy, physical type of outside perimeter receiver. But what they gain is speed. He's faster than Demarius Thomas. He's a little more explosive than Demarius Thomas. And so he's got a chance to really rack up some numbers and be kind of a number three receiver that you plug into your lineup and you, you'll, you might expect a floor of four catches for 50 yards in a given week, but some weeks he'll get you over a hundred and a touchdown. Would you, would you try and trade away? Where do you, what do you see Demarius Thomas in this, in this case? Cause I think, I mean, to me, like if people think Demarius Thomas is helped by going to Houston, I'll happily sell him. I don't really own him anywhere, but I'll happily sell him because I don't think the quarterback upgrade really matters given his diminishing skill set. Well, the difference is now there's not anybody breathing down his neck for his job. Whereas in Denver, let's just say they didn't trade him, like they went full reverse of, of what Jason was saying, and they just didn't trade anybody and they kept Demarius Thomas. There would come a point this year, and it might have been as soon as this week, where Demarius Thomas sees the bench a little bit more and they say, all right, let's see what the kid can do. And that was already, it wasn't happening in a major way, but you you could tell just by the number of targets that Demarius had been getting this year compared to previous years, it's down just a little bit. And it matters for a guy like Thomas who needs that type of volume. He's not a burner anymore. He's a physical outside type of receiver where if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not going to give you 10 or more fantasy points on your team. But in Houston, he'll have a chance to get a touchdown 
against a lot of opponents because he's going to he's going to warrant coverage. It'll never be double coverage because they've got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, and what he lacks in speed, he can make up for with you know plays along the perimeter. Or, you know, he played a third of his snaps in the slot in Denver. Maybe he can do a little bit of that too. So mixing and matching in Houston. So I think he'll be okay if if, if Cortland Sutton's floor in Denver was fifty yards then Demarius is probably closer to 60 yards, and he could have a couple more catches than Sutton on a given week. He just won't have that big play level to him, which means he's still basically what I said all along, which is touchdown or bust type of receiver, just now with a slightly higher floor. Jason, does this – I mean, do you like this from the Texas perspective going for it here? I mean, adding a guy <laughs> like Thomas? Because to me, it doesn't really – it moves the needle from a name perspective, but not necessarily like an actual football results perspective. Yeah, I, I mean, it's – I can't say it's low risk because, I, I mean, it's a lot of money. Now, we'll see if he's even around there next year or what comes of that. It's potentially a lot of money. But, no, I, I just think it's – it's. I, I don't – I mean, Demaris Thomas, to me, and people who I know who scouted him, like he's not an impactful football player anymore. I mean, if his name – if you stripped away the name and the career and just looked at what he's running now and the balls he drops and and what he's not able to do downfield anymore, you know, I I don't think there's much. You hope he, you know, you hope. Look, different quarterback. He hasn't played with a good quarterback for a long time. You hope it rekindles something in him um, and what have you. Maybe he makes a big play here or there. But I don't see him being anything close to a difference maker for them. He ain't Fuller, man. Like five years ago, maybe you might make that comparison, but no. What about uh, in Philadelphia? Your boy, Howie Roseman, as you predicted, Jason, went up top, went out and sent a third-round pick to the uh, to the Detroit Lions in exchange for Golden Tate. This is a weird one, too, because Golden Tate is a key part of the Lions' offense. He's their top receiver, and yet the Lions are, like, adding players and trading players, and we can't tell if the Lions yeah. are, are contending or rebuilding. Uh, yeah. what, what do you make of that? I, I, I don't mind it. Uh, they weren't going to re-sign him. Let's face it. They get in the playoffs in a very deep NFC. Do we really think the Lions are getting to the promised land, you know? So you get the comp pick early, and if you're Howie, you say, well, if I let him walk, you know, then I get the comp pick the following year. But, but when Jarvis Landry got freaking $16 million to play the slot, you know, that, that, that sent shockwaves around the league. And if I'm Golden Tate, I want the, I should get that. And I get in the end zone more than Landry. So I think he wasn't long for Detroit, and they'll continue to draft um, – you know, Galloway's been an, you know, a, a really good pick for them. I think they'll continue to draft some some younger uh, weapons for, for Stafford. So I get it all the way around. It hurts them a little bit short term, yeah, but again, I think they faced an uphill climb to get in the playoffs, much less make any noise. You know, it's Patricia's first year. I think they're keeping the long view. Snacks, you know, he's probably got a couple more years left in him. He signed at a decent a decent enough rate, certainly one they can handle, and he solves an immediate pressing need with just somebody to help help us stop the run at least a little bit. So I, I don't I, I don't have a problem with it. I know it can be a little bit incongruous, like adding and subtracting, but I think ultimately they picked a guy who they think in in Harrison who can still help them win football games in 2019 versus a guy in Tate who can be their most dynamic player any given weekend right now, but. They weren't going to give him at this age, you know what I mean, $16 million to play the slot next year. 
Uh, Dave, this is a guy that I think in Golden Tate, I, I mean, does he upgrade? Cause I mean, Ian is a crowded receiver. Who wins and who loses here from Philly and Detroit's perspective? Well, let's just start with Golden Tate, who is a great slot receiver, but he can offer a little bit in terms of speed as well. You yep. didn't see it that much in Detroit, but that's what Philadelphia needs more than anything. They need somebody that can take the top off the defense. And I think Tate will do a little bit of that on top of being their new slot receiver. And the thing that I like best with Tate, and I said this on the FFT podcast, is that Golden Tate used to be in an offense that couldn't run the ball. So when they throw these quick bubble screens to him and very short area passes, that was an extension of their run game. But in the last three weeks, we've seen Detroit kind of solve their running back problem. They've got on Johnson. He's running very well. They don't need Golden Tate to be that supplement anymore. Philadelphia, on the other hand, doesn't have a run game with any kind of consistency. So they need something to supplement that run game, and they've got it now with Golden Tate. So he can help them in two ways in that regard. Slot receiver, deep ball receiver. He can also help them return punts on special teams because who knows when Darren Sproles will come back, and who knows if he can still do that role or if the coaches even want him to do that role. So Golden Tate fills a lot of needs there. In terms of fantasy form, I think it hurts him a little bit because there won't be many weeks where he gets 10 targets. Not in Philadelphia. Not in that offense, not when Zach Ertz is the one getting 10, 12, 14 targets sometimes. And Alshon Jeffrey is still going to be their main guy on the outside. But at the very least, it is still a progressive offense and a passing offense. Golden Tate should be fine. I just don't think you can use him. Obviously not this week, but even when he comes off the bye, you're not going to be sure what his role will be. You'll be nervous starting him. It's great news in Detroit for Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones especially, who really... Never really, he was very much a flighty fantasy receiver. As long as Tate was there with Galladay, it would either, it would, it would either be he'd catch a long pass from Stafford for a touchdown or he'd be four for 40. And now he's got a chance to see a little bit of a boost in targets. He's still going to continue to be that big target downfield and in the red zone, uh, for Matthew Stafford. TJ Jones is probably going to step into that slot role left behind by Golden Tate. Not that they need him. He'll probably get three catches a game. Uh, I think it's good for Galladay. His targets will probably go up a little bit as well. Uh, and it just tells you that Detroit is committed more now than ever to running the football a decent amount, more than they have. And Stafford's pass attempts, uh, for the most part over the last month, have shown exactly that. So I think it's good for those guys. It's okay for Stafford. And uh, TJ Jones will make the radar in deeper leagues. Unbelievable that the, the Lions are suddenly a rushing team. Um, the, the Packers have not been a rushing team because they can't establish any any run game, uh, Jason. And they basically, if you get traded for a seventh-round pick in 2020. He was on waivers, bro. You're, you're, he was headed to waivers. Right, you're, basic, mean, you're be basically real. being time the, Montgomery. The Ravens couldn't the Ravens. claim him on waivers because they're thinking he might not get through half the league to get to us. So what the hell? Yeah, uh, that's Ty Montgomery who obviously fumbled the, the kickoff return when he went rogue. I love a guy going rogue at the end of a game, except for the fact that it cost me an overbet. Thanks a lot, Ty. Thanks for nothing, Ty. Uh, Dave, when you look at this situation. Wait a minute. How do you know it cost you an overbet? Oh, well, cause you, what did you have? 57. And what was the number? 56. I was banking on Aaron Rodgers getting Mason Crosby in range with a minute and a half. That was going to happen. What about the first quarter of that game? Gotcha. Weren't you expecting more points at the beginning part of that game? Yes, it, that's why it was even more annoying. Like, if at least if like it just hadn't gotten close, I wouldn't have been mad. But they they, right. like, they didn't score any at all, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh my god, this is definitely going over. And then McVay settled and got conservative for the field goal, and then they 
friggin' Montgomery fumbles. I'm glad they got rid of him. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, don't, don't ever root for anybody, you know, to lose their, uh, he doesn't lose his livelihood. Does he? Not yet. Does he gain, does he gain, does time, is this good for Ty Montgomery? Bad for Alex Collins? Um, good for Aaron Jones? How does this sort out for, the, for from a running back perspective, Dave? Well, let's start in Green Bay where he's leaving. They go from three running backs to two. Aaron Jones will probably be their main running back, and Jamal Williams could end up working third downs and goal line. And they'll both play a decent amount. I think fantasy owners are excited about Aaron Jones finally um, getting a, a, a stable opportunity. We hadn't seen that for a while. But now unless Green Bay does something crazy and adds another running back into the mix, which would hurt us in our hearts, uh, Jones will be like a number two fantasy running back. Jamal Williams will be worth having on the bench. Maybe Jamal Williams gets you six fantasy points in a week. So with the bye weeks here, maybe that will help you out. Uh, and then in Baltimore, Jason will probably have a different take than I will. I, I think this is basically a no-risk deal for the Ravens. They're giving up oh, a seventh-round yeah. pick in 2020 for Ty, just to see what Ty Montgomery has. If he doesn't do what they like, they can just keep him on the bench or kick him to the curb. Uh, I, I don't see him having a major impact on Alex Collins and Javoris Allen. I think those two will still be the main running backs for Baltimore for most of the rest of the season. Uh, all right. Yeah, it's yeah, just ahead. a little bit of it's just a, it's just a little bit of insurance. And look, they're averaging three point six yards per carry right now. The scheme isn't good. The the blocking isn't good. I mean, they're second worst rushing team in the NFL. So. You can buy low on a guy and think maybe he sparks you here or there, but uh, I don't. I don't think it moves a meter. All right, Dave has to go. Do we miss any, anything else from fantasy that pops in your mind here, Dave? From these trades, um, you got to go. You got to. You got to go do some fantasy football today work. Of course, people can subscribe to that on iTunes. Um, you also follow Dave on Twitter at Dave Richard. Am I, did I forget anything from a, a fantasy perspective here? No, I don't think so. I think we hit everything. Um, Weird to see the Jaguars trade a pass rusher, by the way, and still not really lose much on their defense. What's left of their defense, anyway? Uh, Redskins DST could end up being a weekly starter. Mm, I like it. I love those Redskins. All right, Dave, uh, we're going to let you get out of here. Jason and I will wrap up the rest of the trade talk. Thanks, as always, for popping on. I know you're a busy man, uh, and we will uh, probably unsuccessfully hang up with you here right now. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Will. Good luck in your leagues this week. All right, Jason. Thank you, buddy. Same to you. All right, Jason. So Dante Fowler, uh, that's the, that was the last second trade deadline move. Uh, Dante Fowler gets dealt to the Rams. How about Dave Caldwell pulling in a third round pick for a guy that was going to be a walk in free agency and that was, was a horrible bust in terms of being a high draft pick here? Look, it's just a young guy who's athletic, who has the, um, he can wear the cologne of a pass rusher from time to time. I don't really know that. He's a pass rusher. Um, I don't know what he is. He's a tweener. It looks like he's overdrafted. And go look at the Jags drafts. Uh, they picked in the 10th round every – I was a 10th round. They picked in the top 10 every year from 08 to 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, they got one blue-chip player, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, that's, that's how you end up in the situation that you're in. Um, look, there was interest in Fowler because everybody always wants pass rush, and they want young, relatively cheap pass rush. I mean, and the, it's, it's in line with what the Rams have done, right? All the good dudes they've pretty much acquired going back to the summer are guys that if they decide they just want to rent them, they're just renting them. And if it really works out and we want to re-sign them or, you know, put them on the fifth-year option or franchise them or whatever, then, then they have that uh, possibility with some of these guys. So 
We'll see. I don't think he'll make a big impact, but maybe, look, they're looking for one or two big sacks down the stretch or in the playoffs that help, you know, create a little bit more space for their interior guys, Sue and Donald, who obviously are the straws that stir that drink on defense. And they didn't like Shane Ray. You know, they didn't they didn't think he could play. They, Bruce Irvin's older, and they don't think he's as explosive. Um, they wanted a speed guy. Uh, I, I'd heard that they'd called Miami about Cameron Wake. Miami seems inclined to think that their season isn't over and that they're not sellers, although I'll have a column on that coming up this week. There's a lot of teams, I think, that just really screwed the pooch by not admitting who they really are right now. Uh, Miami chief among them. So, you know, is it a bit of a steep price to pay? I guess, but, I mean, it's really a third-round pick. You know, I mean, the future fifth, whatever. And do they, you know, who are they going to get in the third round that has more upside than what Fowler could potentially give them for this, you know, they hope, what, 11-game burst, three playoff games and and eight regular season or whatever. So, I don't, I mean, I I don't mind it. I mean, you could say it's okay return for for Jacksonville, but, I mean, this guy was, what, the third third or fourth overall pick? Yeah, third. Uh, he's gone the, before his full rookie contracts expired, and that's what they get for him. Yeah, it's not great. He was uh, he was the third overall pick. And by the way, this I mean, who would have thought uh, four years ago that um, between James Winston, Marcus Mariota, Dante Fowler, Amari Cooper, and Brandon Scherf, that only the Redskins' offensive linemen yeah. who they took to play guard uh, would be you know. Like guaranteed to get a second contract. Scott McLuhan, baby. Scott McLuhan. Yeah, he nailed it. Uh, and then after that, Leonard Williams still with his team playing pretty well for the Jets. Kevin White, eh, <laughs> bust. Oof. Vic Beasley, who, as we pointed out, might not get a second contract. Eric Flowers, total yeah. disaster. Todd, Todd Gurley, a very nice pick at the Rams, but 10, obviously. Who, who, who didn't see that coming? Trey Waynes, Danny Shelton, Andrus Pete, good pick by the Saints. Uh, yeah. Devontae Parker, bust. Melvin Gordon. Oof. Kevin Kevin Johnson, nice Eric Armstead, Marcus Peters, not on the same team. I mean, this is a disastrous first round. That's a yeah. You don't want to be picking in the top sixteen, do you? Yeah, no kidding. People, nobody came away with a, uh, a good pick there. Um, what about uh, a, another deal? The haha Clinton Dix trade. Speaking of former first rounders, traded from the Green Bay Packers. Clinton Dix is a 2014 first round pick to the Washington Redskins to bolster a Redskins secondary on a Redskins defense. And as Dave pointed out, has been already been really good this year. They got a great defensive yeah. line and, and nice back in safety help. Uh, they gave up a fourth round pick for it, but, um, I, I, uh, I mean, I like this move by the Redskins Me who, too. who have a nice division lead and trying to make a push in 2018. Yeah, I, I do like it. Um, you know, maybe a, a slight concession from Green Bay that it might not be our year. Mm. Um, but another guy who, given, you know, they, they I'm sure they've had discussions, and he's probably his price point probably isn't where they want it to be moving forward, and they've got other areas they need to address, and they have, you know, put a decent amount of draft capital into the secondary in recent years. Um, and if you're Washington, the strength of that defense has been the front seven. Um by and large, but DJ Swearinger's having a really strong year. And Josh Norman, at least for a game or two, hasn't been the dregs. And you know, thinking we add this guy in here too, and and all of a sudden maybe that goes from more you know, a weakness to more of a strength. So I, I like it. Absolutely. I, I, I like it. There was a lot of, you know, sort of uh, speculation about the Redskins adding a wide receiver. 
I didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, they're going to dink and dunk people to death. I mean, that's that's who they're going to be with Alex Smith. They just don't want him to turn the ball over, and they feel like nobody can run the ball on us, and, and we can beat people up at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And you got a little, you know, like here, you got you got a little uh, playmaking element to the back end. I, I have no problems with it whatsoever. Good for them. Um, who are the teams that you thought didn't – Get aggressive enough. I mean, you mentioned that the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins are four and four. What I mean, what are they? What are they? What are they holding on to? They're starting Brock Osweiler. Dude, the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah. All right, yeah. You could have right. got. You could have got probably two ones for Patrick Peterson. I mean, is that coach even going to be there next year? You know, is the. I mean, is the GM going to be there next year? How many games do you think you're winning in that division in the next couple years? Even if Rosen does develop. I mean, I, I just uh, – standing pat boggles my mind. Not that they were – I mean, it was clear they weren't trading Jones or Peterson, you know, with, a, a week ago. But they they did nothing. That's interesting to me. I mean, I guess Larry didn't want to go anywhere, but that that would have been an obvious one. I, I think, you know, they, they're they rebuilding whether they want to believe it or not. I don't think Denver did enough cleaning house. You know, the Giants ultimately just didn't want a, Janoris Jenkins to be a total salary dump. But nobody thinks he's playing up to the contract, so they weren't going to get more than a late four or a five for him. They just decided, you know, not to go ahead and do that. I mean, I look at Baltimore. I know they're four and four, number one ranked defense, and all that. But I mean, Joe Flacco is still not a good quarterback. He's twenty fifth ranked in the league in passer rating, and they're second to last in the league in running the ball. And the defense is good, but when they play good quarterbacks, they don't win. They're seven and twenty five. Since the Super Bowl, since they won the Super Bowl, they're seven and twenty-five against teams that went to the playoffs that year. They're one and four against such teams that would be in the playoffs if they started today. And they still have Pittsburgh and Cincinnati coming to them, and they still have to go to Kansas City and to the Chargers. They might get in the playoffs, but they're not winning anything significant. Seven of their top highest-paid players in 2019 are age 31 or older, and many of them won't be in their long-term plans. Oh, and they drafted a quarterback in the first round last year, which, you know, connotes in and of itself that a rebuild is imminent. You didn't hear anything about Suggs or Marshall Yonda or Eric Weddle, um, Jimmy Smith, any of these guys being available in trade, but I don't know that any of them are going to be back there next year. I, I just think I, I get Ozzy's last year – and they don't want to go out that way. And hey, we're four and four, and we still have the number one ranked defense. But they've pretty much been the same team the last five years. And I suspect they finish with eight or nine wins again on the outside looking in. And they'll be able to trade some of these guys maybe for something at the combine. But that's a team that is on the cusp of a rebuild that will be fairly down to the studs. Um, you know, we talked about Miami and even Jacksonville. I mean, I don't know. They don't know who their quarterback is next year. As, you know, how many years is Calais, like Calais Campbell? I mean, what could you got for him? Would somebody wow. look at him as a guy who put them totally over the top? You know. And I mentioned Denver. I mean, Denver. Who are they kidding? They don't know who their quarterback is. They don't know where they're going. There's going to be a total rebuild. Von Miller's not getting any any younger. I mean, what could you got for Von Miller at this point? You could have really. You know, been in position to rock and roll. And I'm surprised the Raiders didn't know anything else. I'm surprised Bruce Irvin and Carl Joseph, at the very least, are still there. But obviously, I'll give, I mean, I'll give Gruden credit. He set prices on guys and waited for somebody to meet them, you know? Yeah. And nobody met his price, obviously, on people like Gary Conley, Carl Joseph, um, 
Kaleche Osemele and Bruce Irvin. Did did the did the Raiders? I mean, I get that they had a fire sale for Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, but did they end up having a pretty good? Like they got three first round picks for those guys, and I get that. Like you, you know, you. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to get players of that caliber in the first round, but man, I mean, like you compare, you know, Dante Fowler was taking one pick ahead of Amari Cooper, and the Jaguars got a third, yeah. and they got a first for Amari Cooper, and now the Raiders. Like, yeah. like if I'm Oakland, knowing where our team is, I, I, I. Kind of think I'd rather have the picks now. Gruden, yeah, Gruden might absolutely. screw them up, but man, that's a lot of right. picks. That's that you gotta you gotta you can't just be Sashi Brown. You can't just have picks that turn into empty vessels. Um, and look, I just went through you know go through again ten years of the Jacksonville Jaguars picking in the top ten and how little they got out of that. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean they're going to turn into players. But I'd rather be where Elway is. And remember, he's still got Derek Carr there who he can flip at least for, I think, a one and a two, and maybe two ones mm. if he decides at the combine, hey, I like some of these other quarterbacks. You know, I'm, I'm ready to finish this rebuild off by, by flopping my quarterback for a couple of super high picks. You know, then, then you, you really are sitting there controlling your own destiny. Now you've got to go make it happen. You've got to pick the right players. But I'd rather be there than one of these teams like Baltimore and Miami stuck between, like, seven and nine wins for the last five years, but without the right quarterback to get you over the top and with too many money, too much money stuck in the wrong players, and you're just in this sort of vortex of mediocrity. A lot of wise personnel men have told me over the years, I'd rather be looking at the first overall pick you know, or, or give me a team that's going to the Super Bowl every year. I'd rather be one of those two extremes than stuck in the middle where it makes it very difficult to get out. You're not picking high enough. You don't have enough good players to trade. You know, you're you're. It's harder to build through the draft when you're picking in the twenties. But you know, you're not you're not quite good enough. You're not quite bad enough. What, hey, what about the New England Patriots? Were you surprised that they didn't go out and try to land another wide receiver, or because you know they're well? No, they did. They they talked to a lot of teams. I mean, they they were they were sniffing around. Um, they were you know looking at bringing Jamie Collins back. You know, they were looking at at some of the receivers available out there. They were interested in some corners. Um, but I think Belichick's probably thinking some of these dudes maybe end up on the street, you know, and people, you know, generally like to come to New England because you win, you get to play in the playoffs, you get some playoff money, and you get exposure. Um, and remember, Josh Gordon, I mean, that's, I mean, to me that's a deadline deal. I mean, you can only make that deal up to week nine. I mean, you know, so they, it's not as if, it's not as if they've done nothing. But I know, look, he really liked Emmanuel Sanders, and I think that would have been a guy he felt like on offense took them over the top. If you've got him in the slot on one side and Edelman on the other, um, and then Gronk, and you know you got the Hogan speed on the outside, and you've obviously got Gordon. But John Elway again, I think he'll I think he'll end up trading him in the winter anyway. But he didn't, you know, he really didn't want to trade Chris Harris and and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and, and those were guys who had interest to to the Patriots. Um, okay, what about this? Is the last one we we'll get you out of here. But do you where do you think? Oh yeah, actually, wait, I have two more questions. One. What did you think about um, uh, the? There was some report about Josh Gordon uh, uh, missing meetings. You hear anything about that? It was sort of a. <laughs> I, I I read it. No one, no one told me that there. I didn't. I did not hear that to be true one way or the other. Um, but he obviously. Well, I don't Bill, recall him missing the start of that game. And he did not. He did not. Bill Belichick said, "I don't know anything about that." You'll have to check with the. It was. It was just an odd situation. Like why. Why would that pop out there and then Belichick starts him? Um, uh, the, the other thing with, with the Cowboys, 
giving up a first for Amari Cooper and the Eagles. Like, how do you compare those deals to those wide receivers? Like Amari Cooper for a first, Golden Tate for a third, and Demarius Thomas for a fourth. Well, it's all. I think they're three different categories. Amari Cooper is a trade for a young ascending player who you feel like is worthy of a big time wide receiver contract. Now, I don't. I wouldn't do it. Um, he's going to want more money than Jarvis Landry. I'm not going to give it to him. I, I don't think he's that difference maker of a receiver. Um, but they do, and you're buying young on somebody with upside who you intend to give big money to and keep around for a long time and make your number one. Golden Tate is the quintessential rental. You know, if he proves that he's better than Aguilar and some of these other guys, and you know, then maybe Howie finds a way to keep him around. But that's a that's a pure rental. Plus, if he leaves, I get the comp pick back. So. That's why that threshold is price point where it is. And Demarius is a straight-up salary dump. You hope the player has something left in the tank. But, you know, Houston's the only team I, I had heard of that was willing to give more than a five. And, mm. you know, that's where the market is for a guy who makes that kind of money, who hasn't been productive, um, you know, who, again, you're, you're, you're basically trading a, a late for for the right for Denver to get out of that contract. And if the player gives you something, you know, great, but I don't I don't of the three, he'd be the guy who you would have the least expectations for actually being somebody who can affect games on a quasi regular basis. I think the most productive of the bunch will be will be Golden Tate. You think he works the best in like that? Because I mean, to me, in that Eagle system, he makes total sense for what Doug Peterson does, especially when they don't have a, a power running game operating right now. Yeah, I mean, I think he and the tight end work in you know intermediate and underneath, and you know Jeffrey uh, doing his thing on the outside on one side, and then you know Aguilar you know running after some deep balls on the other side. I get it. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else pop out to you from the trade deadline? Did I miss any? Did I miss any deals? I don't think I missed any deals. Did I? Uh, no, I you know, just nobody called for Le'Veon Bell. You know that that's hmm. a little interesting to me. And, and how he knows he could have had him for a three. And I think ultimately he said, "I'll I'll take my chances with this offensive line getting a little healthier and with the backs I have, and use that three on a receiver who he thinks can unlock the the offense a little bit more um, versus." Uh, you know, using it on a running back who hasn't played, you know, since last year, and nobody knows exactly what kind of shape he's in. And there's a lot of questions there. You know, they're gonna, do you think they'd be more likely to re-sign Le'Veon Bell if they traded a three for him, or more likely to re-sign no. Golden Tate? Well, I, I mean, it's just it's hard. To, I don't know. How's Le'Veon going to play? What's yeah. the market like for him? You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's difficult to say. I He's got to play. I mean, he's got a lot to prove. I mean, he's going to have to prove a lot, and with Connor there also, I don't know how many how many opportunities he's going to get to, to really be a bell cow unless Connor gets hurt. Um, wow. So you think – No, it will be fairly fascinating to watch all that play out, but um, – But we're, we're recording you know, this. We're recording he may this. make a couple plays for the Steelers that put them over the top in the playoffs. You, you, you never know. We're recording this after 5 p.m. on uh, Tuesday on the trade deadline, so suffice to say he's not reporting – on on you know on the day of the trade deadline, Does this he say- hadn't reported as of yeah us re- recording this, and as of late afternoon Tuesday, the Steelers still had not gotten any word out of his agent as to what his exact plans were. So it seems like he's probably going to let them play Week Nine and then show back up in order ahead of Week Ten and try to recruit. He's got to play by Week Ten. If he wants to play football anywhere this year. I mean, he may show up week at some point in Week Nine. I mean, you know, your guess is as good as mine, but. 
He'll be there at some point in the next uh, week, that's for sure. All right, so probably Monday morning after week nine is what we're now looking at for Le'Veon Bell, unless he decides to show up <laughs> Wednesday see. morning. Always a fluid situation. Always good to have you on, Jason Luckham, for you're the best. Um, way to fight through this grinder of a trade deadline, man. Follow him at Jason Luckham Fora. You can also watch him on CBS Sports HQ. And, of course, the NFL today on CBS Sports. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Have a good week. Thank you.